Welcome back to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. We are talking about shaping virtues, something that we're wanting to put out and recommend to Sovereign Grace Pastors as the leadership team, something that we are um, excited about personally, uh, sort of handing off to the next generation of Sovereign Grace, those that come behind us, those that are currently pastoring. Um, These are virtues that we believe flow out of the gospel that reflect the gospel, that ought to be true of anybody who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet often they can be neglected just like anything else. So last time we talked about uh, humility, kind of that foundational trait that ought to be true of us in the gospel of Christ, and now we want to talk about joy. So we, we want to be faithful to our time here. Uh, to those that are listening, we want to get right at it. So, Jared, let me just ask, why did we include joy as one of these seven relatively small number of virtues that we're highlighting in this way. Why did we include joy and where do you see that as an emphasis in the scriptures and how would you kind of lay it before us as a a necessary and appropriate result of applying the gospel? Yes, we have included joy because the gospel itself is a message of good news of great joy. And so the gospel being a joyful message that comes from a joyful God uh, creates a joyful people. And anyone who's been in Sovereign Grace churches any amount of time will probably hear a phrase, happy pastors. Mm -hmm. Um, We can use that language of happiness as well because uh, the Bible is indiscriminate in its joy language. And so... um, we, we take seriously the command, like in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Mm-hmm. And um, that, is, that, that affirmation does not deny the presence of suffering and sorrow and lament, uh, but the, the dominant tone of the Christian life is one of joy even joy in the midst of suffering. I mentioned Philippians four because Philippians is the Philippians is, is like a little manual of manual of of joy an introduction to Christian joy. And I have always been so inspired and challenged by the example of the apostle Paul as he's in prison, um, suffering for the gospel. And he says, yes, I will rejoice. And there's this there's this presence of joy that then shapes his outlook that he knows this will turn out for his deliverance, whether he lives and goes on in faithful ministry or whether he dies, which is gain because to die is Christ. There's this whole presence of, uh, of joy that's grounded in faith in Christ that completely changes our outlook of every situation we face in life. Yes. Uh, true joy is not rooted in temperament. True joy is not just a matter of sort of having a more optimistic personality or perspective. Mm-hmm. True joy is not rooted in life circumstances. Right. Um, there, there are <laughs> trials of many kinds uh, that we face in this world, and yet we maintain a joy in Christ uh, that is unchanging uh, in the in the midst of every trial. Yes. Yeah, I just think that if you look at any one aspect of the gospel, the result of the gospel, you know, the result of that ought to be 
just astonished joy. So, I mean, this has been our, our experience. I know growing up in our family of churches where you, know, you can you can think of so many messages that we've heard that the right application is rejoice. So you, you yes. used to be condemned because of your sin, rightly so, and now you're forgiven and you have a righteous standing before God. So rejoice, Re- rejoice with great joy in the fact that God views you not only as one who is not going to be condemned, but one who stands in the righteousness of Christ, or you used to be an enemy and you separated from God and hating God and hating one another. And now you've been Mm. reconciled. You're an adopted son. So rejoice. See what kind of love the father has lavished on you and rejoice. (laughs) There's, you know, the, the passages like you think of Ephesians one and that lengthy sentence that Paul just unloads on the Ephesian church and all of those phrases again and again are just such good news all the way up to the final you have an inheritance you have an inheritance that is being been given to you and and this is just a reason to be overwhelmed with joy or to use paul's you know phrase in that passage it's a worshipful response blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ so i i think this this is certainly one of my favorite um, legacies that's been handed to us. Uh, we didn't create this. We didn't discover this. Certainly handed to us, um, yeah. at least in our family of churches, that I'm, I'm just eager for us to model and reflect and, and motivate and call people to. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. What does it look like for a pastor to not just affirm this, but to press this forward as something he wants himself and his church to fulfill, that they would be the kind of joyful church they ought to be in light of what Christ has done. Mm. Creating a culture of joy certainly begins with the pastor's example of delighting in Christ. Uh, It is important to have this understanding that that this is the vision we're aiming for of a culture of joy. People know when they enter into a, a context in, and it's one of those things where people say, why is everyone so happy? What is going on here? You know, that's what we're aiming for. Um, and that does begin with the pastor's own joy uh, in in Christ. That a joyful pastor will lead and serve with joy. Yes. And that should be a joy that is evident publicly. So right. as we as we communicate publicly, as we preach God's word, uh, ministers of the gospel of grace uh, are are delivering fundamentally a message of joy, and therefore ought to communicate the heart of God uh, in in all that they do. There's that command in in Psalm 100 verse two to serve the Lord with gladness. Yes. So the path, that's the starting point for for sort of the pastor is. Um, is okay. How do I, in my own life, cultivate this ongoing gladness? Spurgeon says the best work is done by happy, joyful workmen. You know, mm. and um, that's what that's what God calls us to. And so we need to identify in our own lives what those hindrances to to joy are, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of those we serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in uh, Hebrews. Thirteen seventeen, where it's speaking of pastoral work, it's it says, "Let pastors do this with joy and not with yes. groaning, for that would be no advantage to you." And so, mm-hmm. there's uh, 
you know, the greater a pastor's joy is in serving, then the more those we serve will benefit from that ministry. So yes. do whatever it takes to cultivate a, uh, a, you know, a joyful ministry. I think part of this is gathering with gladness. You know, we it's uh, we have this a uh, one of the things that we've received in Sovereign Grace Churches is uh, is the sort of legacy of of rich music uh, yes. and and uh, Christ exalting music that expresses this gladness that we have um, in in the Lord. Uh, I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go to the house of the Lord." And part of that is, yes, we're worshiping God together, and uh, and we delight in Christ. But there's also a sense of delighting in one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think actually an essential part of cultivating a culture of joy is helping the people of God to delight in each other. Mm-hmm. As for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Yes. Psalm 16, verse 3. Uh, right. I, I tell people the Bible teaches that you should have no greater joy in life than to see God's grace at work in fellow believers. Yes. That's what 3 John 4 says. I have no greater joy right. than to hear right. that my children, uh, members in God's family, are are walking in the truth. And so you know, every every Christian has his or her own story of grace Uh distinct gifts and personalities and quirks delight in it all um cultivate joy by delighting in a wide range of people uh Mm -hmm. not just those who are who are like us Mm, Um, teach teach on on joy you know from god's word and uh and seek to be known uh as a as a happy pastor Excellent. Even when we're even when we're bringing the warnings of Scripture, God warns us because He loves us. Even when we're rebuking, the Lord rebukes those He loves, and yes. so there's a sense in which all is good news for the people of God. Uh, even when we are bringing the commands it's of God, it's because God's desiring to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. These commands are for our good, yes. and uh, and that should be reflected in in our ministry of the word, in our care, um, in whatever ways God has called us to that work. Yes, excellent. You know, it strikes me that um, the lack of joy functions as actually a very helpful um, sort of early warning signal that that something is off. Um, it, it, it's just one of those little warning lights that it it, it perhaps hasn't um, gone to a, a, a full crash yet, but there's there's something off if joy is lacking. It's, it's very helpful. I'm thinking of things like, you know, what we've learned over the years, um, CJ's teaching uh, from 1 Corinthians, that message, Grace and the Adventure of Leadership, which just communicated Paul's divine perspective of the Corinthian church, that he was able to be encouraged and enthusiastic, even joyful, about his hope in for them because his eyes were fixed on the Lord. So a lack of joy can be an indicator that our eyes have drifted from the, the power of God and his promises for his people and to the weaknesses of the people and, and our yes. sin and, and struggle as well. So I'm thinking also, of, you know, Charles Bridges says, you know, it is faith, which in, I think the quote is it's faith which enlivens our work with perpetual mm. cheerfulness. I think is bridges, yeah. yes. and so you think it, faith is that thing that keeps our eyes on 
the reason we have to always be rejoicing, which is God's promises, his grace, his His guarantee of preserving his people, and that when our eyes are on other things besides him, our circumstances or our sins or the people's sins, then an early warning sign of that drift is a decrease in joy. Um, mm. I, I think, you know, a joylessness can be an indicator of a lot of other things, things like self-righteousness. We're, we're more aware of our righteousness uh, than we are of the righteousness of Christ. It can be an indicator of discontentment, that we're craving something that we don't have. It can be an early warning sign of impatience of the work of the Lord, that we want it to be done sooner than he wants it to be done. All of those things, joy can be like the early warning sign of underlying, um, you know, problems where we're we're off track, and we need to be we need to be realigning our heart. And so, I think it's a good question for pastors to ask: If I'm coming into the gathering, or I'm heading into my day, and there's a lack of joy, it's not that we're saying just slap on a smile and be optimistic. I, I think that's one of the ways we would distinguish joy from optimism we're not saying just pretend like everything's great and be optimistic about the future be positive if you're positive then that's what gives you uh, a great day or you know any kind of nonsense like that i think what we're saying is joy ought to be the organic outflow the fruit of a heart that is set on god set on his promises set on the gospel and view circumstances and sin in that context and in light of yeah. that the person will be joyful and if he's not joyful he had to go back to realign those roots put them in the right place and then see joy uh, flourish yes. out of his heart yes there was a pastor who gave me counsel when i was first stepping into pastoral ministry and he said if there's one one word of counsel that i could give you it's to prioritize joy and never lose your joy in Christ. And Excellent. he went on to share through tears, it is a wonder that we are saved. Mm -hmm. It is a wonder that our Savior has called us to this ministry, and mm -hmm. we ought to be joyful um, all our days. And just that mm -hmm. exhortation to a a ministry that is, uh, is marked by the aroma of joy. I find the pastors... The, that I most want to be like the, the you know the seasoned pastor. I think okay, let me learn that. It's it's uh, men who are who are deeply joyful. Yes, uh, and uh, I just I I want to spend time with them because I want that to rub off on me. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and in the midst of all of the discouragements of of life and surrounding culture and our own sin, enemies within, enemies without. There are a thousand threats to our joy, which makes yes. the fight for joy um, an essential priority for the yes. pastor. Yes, excellent. I I am just thinking too, and, and you could comment better on this than I could, but how there's something of a, um, we might call it a, an emotional modulation when you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament that I think we could mm -hmm benefit from as well, where it, obviously joy is very present in the Old Testament and sorrow and lament is present in the new, but but there, there's just a bit of a modulation where the fulfillment of all those promises in the person of Christ increases the emphasis on joy in the New Testament such that I think we need to see ourselves in, in the broader redemptive storyline as those who 
of all God's people in history uniquely have a responsibility to display the joy that is in keeping with the greater revelation of God's purposes in Christ that we've seen than those that Abraham and even David and and, and they would have seen. So I, there's something in my heart that's, uh, that um, I'm, I'm thrilled by the thought that God gave me a unique task in his redemptive storyline. And, you know, Peter says, prophets long to look into the things that you get to enjoy. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, we get to enjoy it. So we ought to display, you know, the, the seeing of a mystery that, you know, even someone far more godly than us, like Ezekiel or Isaiah, you know, would, would have been longing to know the kind of truth that we're handed on every page of the New Testament. And so then our joy ought to be reflective of that. Um, yes. That responsibility. Let's let me just um, kind of wait a few more minutes here before we close this um, section. But I, I just want to talk about pastor, a pastor's example, let's say in the corporate singing and in his preaching and in counseling. So those are, those are just three spots where I think actually joy can, can be forgotten, mm. you know, cause we're singing and sometimes we're thinking about our responsibilities pastorally. And so we're not always modeling a rejoicing heart, you know, and um, let me speak about that one. Cause that, that one's mm. you know, deeply in my heart. So grateful for the model that, um, you know, Bob Coughlin has been and taught on this, but you know, Psalm 34 says, come worship the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. So that verse has always challenged me as a pastor going into the corporate singing and thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, I need to model a radiant expression, a heart that is enraptured with Christ and joyful as we sing these great songs about the Lord. Yes, for my own soul, firstly, but also so that I can model uh, for the church. And I sometimes fear that that we can we can be derailed from that responsibility when we're thinking about our other jobs to get done on Sunday. But that's also true for mm. preaching. So how, speak to that a little bit. Where preaching, sometimes I think we can be thinking studious thoughts or exhortative thoughts that can lack a, a certain exuberance uh, in preaching. Obviously, that's something I think you model excellently. So any, any thoughts for the preacher cultivating, reminding himself it's to be a, joyful? It's a, point of, it's a point of feedback. I was actually at our most recent regional assembly of elders, or at the one two, from two times ago, um, was, was talking to guys about modeling joy. In, in a Sunday service, people are looking at the pastor. They're looking yeah. to the pastor. They're noticing the pastor. They'll notice the pastor in his interactions with others. They'll notice him in his greeting. They'll notice him uh, in how he communicates publicly. And I have noticed in my observation that I believe it would do great good for pastors to smile more <laughs> and to uh, not, not as something that they are putting on, but, uh, but because they have a joy in Christ that they are, that they're showing to others. And one of the things that I've realized, we realized this in our setting, one of the things that people are most surprised by that, that, even 
levels the expectations that they have for what religion is all about, right? There's so many people who are, and we see this as, with, with unbelievers who have this idea that Christianity is a dreary faith, right. you know, people who assume that the heart of the father toward them is stern. There are a lot of Christians who can, who can think that. And so unbelievers have this stereotype of Christianity. Believers have, have hard and distorted thoughts of, of God and into that setting, we come and have an opportunity to communicate yes. with joy the loving heart of, of God. And so, I, yes, I do think that um, I, I'm not a fan. I don't regularly watch my preaching, and that's a depressing thing. But I do think it's worth asking others, do I ever notice, do, you ever, do I ever smile? Or um, is there, do I have a joyful public demeanor? Is my preaching joyful? Sometimes I think we can have such a sense of the weight of God's word and speak with such an uh, in, in earnestness that, it, that our communication can come across as, as heavy and uh, and and burdensome, yes. uh, at times even angry in an exhortative way, yes. rather than with this uh, with this tone of of joy and of rejoicing. There mm -hmm. should be moments, you know, a preacher is a worship leader, and we should be leading people into uh, the the worship of Christ, yes. the joyful praises of Christ. You know, we when we stand up to preach, we are continuing uh, the, the worship of, of, of our Savior. And we do that by, by delighting uh, in him and in his goodness. I, it helps me sometimes to think through, what am I hoping will happen in the first 10 minutes after this message? Mm. Um, you know, and what am I kind of aiming for a result? And, and, and if, you know, nine times out of 10, what I'm thinking is, you know, for people to be deeply heavy hearted and, and convicted mm. and finally mm. getting it, you know, and then mm. leaving. And then I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm appreciating the good news that Christ brings even to convicted sinners, you know. Uh, so yes, I mean, I want the word to convict me and our church. And I, I, you know, a, a time of repentance is appropriate. And for some, maybe it's a longer time that could be appropriate. But I'm also aiming for a rejoicing. So whether it's a song or whether we, we close and they go out with a benediction or whatever it is, I'm aiming for a, a heart that is just filled with joy in the glory of God and the glory of Christ. And um, so that as a preacher, that helps me to think, of what, what do I want this person to be? when they walk out of this passage, what am I aiming for? And honestly, I would just say this briefly, you know, especially for those pastors that they, they preach in the smaller setting of the counseling room, you know, the discipleship class. I, I think in that setting as well, there, there can be at times a, a sobriety that's not laced at times with joy and hopefulness and faith and a certain joyful affection for these people. And I, I would want to exert myself, exert myself and fellow counselors. Let's be joyful in the counseling room, mm -hmm. joyful in a way that is compassionate, understands the trouble people are facing, but is able to exude the joy of the gospel. That is what they need in the midst of their sorrow and their their mm -hmm. discouragement. Um, and, and just one final word, you know, for pastors or those listening who maybe have an an unusual or an ongoing battle with a, a greater degree of depression, 
discouragement, that that's, that's maybe a besetting challenge or struggle for them. I, I just would want to encourage you to avoid the temptation of comparison. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think for brothers that that's a, a stronger temptation. They can look at those that that's not their primary temptation and just be jealous and hold to an unrealistic standard. That's what I have to be like. You know, somebody just seems to never struggle with depression. They're always joyful. That's not the standard by which, you know, you are evaluated. I think the question is, can you fight for joy even when your heart is seeking to betray you and the thoughts of, of darkness, you know, come to your mind? Can you fight for joy? Can you be a happy warrior in the fight for joy um, th- that's what we're, we'd, we would urge you to do. Can you fight for a smile even when emotionally you know, you're pressing towards mm. sadness? So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we would just, we want to urge ourselves, we want to urge our brothers. May, may it be that Sovereign Grace pastors and pastoral team offices and counseling meeting rooms and Sunday gathering, whether singing or preaching or responding, our place is just filled with the joy of Christ. Um, I think that'd be our hope, <laughs> I would say. Yes. Yes, amen. Amen. Well, let's end it there, and we'll see you all next time. Jared and I are so grateful for all of you as pastors in Sovereign Grace. We love you, and we thank God for you. 